unleash the Craig. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Angry War Gamer. Um, today it's going to be me, Jason, the Angry War Gamer. We got Drew and Orlando too. So, what's good? Nice. I'm the only one not like <laughs> super high energy right now. Fantastic. Uh, all right, we got some. Uh, pretty decent topics for everybody today um some new stuff some um old-ish stuff that ties into new stuff and um yeah uh first off i want to say uh thank you to perp for doing the interview on the last episode that was fantastic uh we had a great time um and it was me and drew i mean i kind of took over the whole thing drew just kind of sat back and listened but that's kind of my fault but <laughs> it was still a good time <laughs> oh i had a blast regardless i had fucking fun yeah my my face hurt after that <laughs> so yeah uh, now that we got that out of the way let's go into I kind of want to start with something where we do like game reviews and stuff. And I'm actually going to review this children's game because I thought it was funny. I showed you guys a screen cap of it. It was the Paw Patrol video game on the Switch. Oh, freaking joy. <laughs> Who would have thought yeah. that the first game we would review would not only be rated E for everyone, but uh, the target demographic would be for something um a fraction of our age yeah outside of anything but it, it, i mean i guess it works because if you're if you're like us and you have oh, like something like me and drew uh, i guess and have children i mean drew doesn't have young children but if you have young children <laughs> this could pertain to you <laughs> so a little bit of backstory on that one so i broke out the switch after we talked about minecraft steve and some of the new um dragon ball z characters that got released so i grabbed my switch uh grabbed all the dlcs and then updated everything and was playing around some smash during the day and my kid comes in and i had him picking all my characters for smash which by the way steve is probably the clunkiest character i have ever seen but now that i'm watching some like pros play with him i'm like uh, still not for me but not as not as useless as I thought he was. I'm not like a top player or anything. I'm just a casual player, but yeah, I don't think he's really geared towards casual play. So, oh, well, anyway, so afterwards he was like, no, I want to play Paw Patrol game. So of course my dumb ass goes to the play store or not the play store goes to the Nintendo shop eShop and types in Paw Patrol and shocker. There's a fucking game in there. <laughs> So I ended up paying $42 with tax for a Paw Patrol game that honestly for my kids three going to be four in January and he could play it by himself with very little help. And it's geared like a kid's um, like a TV show, like a kid's TV show, basically. So Every t every step of the way, it's like, what would you do here? And in the beginning, first three missions, they would tell you, you need to push this button, push this button. This is how you do this. And 
he was able to play it and it was kind of cool watching him play it fucking three and he was totally like zoned in intense about it too so if you're looking for a game to get kids started on i i guess i have to recommend the paw patrol video game (laughs) who would have (laughs) known yep that's our first one (laughs) quality quality review yeah i mean it's very simple it's you literally push b to jump and then the menu of stuff when you get to a certain point it'll give you the menu of x y and a and it'll tell you these are the characters that you're bringing and you get to play as little paw patrol characters and all you literally have to do is run to the right and jump (laughs) it's like those are really your only things and every time you hit like a little checkpoint it asks you for what you want for the already sounds more sophisticated than diego's dinosaur adventure on the Wii. really (laughs) don't ask how i know all right well fair enough (laughs) but yeah no it's uh it's it was just cool to see my kid play it so yep that would be our first official review and i what do we go with smash it or trash it i guess we're gonna have to smash those buttons for those (laughs) three-year-olds (laughs) that's we got to think of a better name (laughs) i can't smash it or trash it sounds great but i think i think somebody else might have not for such a not for such a game (laughs) (laughs) yeah true fair enough the graphics were pretty decent though i'll I'll give it that too (laughs) oh man yeah it was very simple simple game but it's definitely definitely a really cool game um what else we got now that we started off with that? I guess, do you guys want to go into Sony or is there something else? Yeah, if it's game related, absolutely. So, yeah, everyone, you want to go into Sony? So, apparently, for the PS4, there was an update that everyone had to go and uh, download for their consoles. And. Just to be sneaky little bastards, usually you don't read the terms and conditions that come with each update. But with this particular one, they quietly put in there uh, that they're going to go right ahead and spy on you, on everybody. Yeah, so they're doing a couple of updates um, in preparation for the PS5. And it's not just the PS4, but... um... They had, uh, I got an email about the store. So when you access the store, you can do it on the app and it takes you to the actual like store and I can look at the games and download the games from there. Um, but now at the end of October with all the updates that they're doing, the play store itself is changing to, um, only PS five games available through like the app version. And you can only access DLC and games for the PS four through the actual system itself and the PS three, the PS three still has an active plate, um, store apparently, but you can only access stuff for those two systems through the console itself. And you'll no longer be able to look at them through the app. Um, and then along with that came their little spying voice chat thing. So, what did i find here i found an article from the verge this was actually released yesterday and they caught a bunch of backlash for this because obviously they were like no we're gonna spy on you we're gonna listen to all the voice chats and then we're gonna do bannings and 
all this other stuff, depending on how yeah. toxic you are through the voice chat. Yeah, that's the reason. I was going to say, what was the reason, by the way? All right. Toxicity. That was their fucking excuse. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I mean, I think Microsoft started doing that too, didn't they? Weren't they banning people through the voice chat feature? At least I remember hearing something about that. I'm not 100% on that. If they no. are, they're just as bastards. Now, I, don't th- I haven't heard anything about that on Microsoft's end, but I haven't really delved into this kind of stuff because... Let's be perfectly honest. Out of the three of us, I think I have the least amount of interest in dealing with voice chat for for uh, video game purposes. Yeah, the last time I used voice chat, I was playing World of Warcraft, and I haven't played World of Warcraft since Mist of Pandaria, which is I don't know how many fucking expansions later. But I think are you going to play Shadowlands when it comes out? Fuck no! <laughs> I didn't even know the game. <laughs> I didn't even know the game was still running. I thought the fucking server shut down by now. I'm like, how the fuck do I know, man? I don't have time for that shit anymore. I barely have time for fucking... I tried playing like League of Legends the other day, and I... that's fucking unplayable at this point, <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> I used voice chat, I think, like last year with a friend of mine in New York, and all we were doing was playing Dr. Mario on the online server. Oh, no, the last time, we... the last time I used voice chat was playing with you guys when we were doing the the pokemon dungeons or the um oh yeah 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 i remember that yeah the different raids i think that's that's the last time i used voice chat dude fucking crown tundra is coming out next week i'm excited dude i'm totally stoked i'm ready it comes out on wednesday though that's weird who's ready for that mythical deer (laughs) mythical deer yeah Oh no, it comes out on Thursday. Still though, I I, I don't understand what, what the hell they're thinking with their release dates. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. Because at this point it doesn't really matter when the game is released. Also true. I mean, um It's DLC, it's not an actual full game. Well, that I think would the make only... more sense. November wait, November 10th. Yeah, that's a Tuesday. November 10th is the fucking um valhalla game and then the, what the 15th oh wait what am i thinking when does the playstation release is it the 15th it releases on a sunday the ps5 wait it's coming out this year yeah, yeah the, PS, the ps5 is next month well shit yeah that's why they're doing all these changes october 22nd is when they do the uh the store update for the playstation which is the same day that pokemon happily releases yeah, I don't know. So the Valhalla for the... Yeah, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla comes out, I think, the 10th. And then the PlayStation releases... And that's a Tuesday. And then the PlayStation releases on the 15th, which is a fucking Sunday. I'm like, really? <laughs> what happened to the Friday night? Like, you go to the, um, the release party type deals. Look, Wait, let's... are you talking about this month or next month, Jay? Next month, November. November 12th for... Uh... U.S., Japan, Canada, New Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea. The rest of the world gets it on the 19th. The PlayStation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the game for the PS5, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which also releases on the PS4, comes out on the 10th. Can we confirm that? Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) I'm not looking it up. I really didn't care much about Assassin's Creed to begin with. I'm excited for it. And I'm Um, happy for it. 
Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, here's the pre-order. November yeah, November 10th. 10th. Yeah, it releases on the 10th, and then the, the system comes out two days later. Explain that one to me. Hey, when is Cyberpunk coming out? Or has that come out yet? No, it has not come out. I don't think there's an actual Isn't release date on it. No, I think they're waiting for um, the PS5 to drop. Actually, I think they're waiting for both of them to drop because it comes out on both of them. Fair enough. Well, dude, Sorry. November 19th. November 19th for Cyberpunk. So it releases on the PS5 date. Uh, PS4, PS5, Stadia, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S is November 19th. No, Why'd you yeah. even bother saying Stadia? Who gives a shit about Stadia these days? <laughs> there are still people that play it. <laughs> Don't mock them. <laughs> yep. We got Black Ops Cold War coming on the 13th. Valhalla on the 10th. Like, what the hell is with this release date? It's like a clusterfuck. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's not... Corona-chan! Yeah, but still, like, it makes... One's a Tuesday, one's a Friday, one's, like, a Thursday, like, one's a Sunday. You're like, what the fuck is... <laughs> it, it's so oh. haphazard, and I get... I get that November, they actually are releasing the PlayStation or 5. I get that. But, like, holy shit, dude. You still yeah, and have, if you're still supporting the PS4, so they've got this giant regurgitation, you got this giant regurgitation of fucking video games coming out around that time. If one person is trying to get all of those on fucking the release day, holy fuck, I feel bad for them. That's what I'm saying. And then, not, well, you don't really have to worry about fucking uh, midnight releases or anything because half the people are probably going to end up downloading them anyway. But yeah, releases yeah. kind of lost their luster a year or two ago. I'm not, or a couple of years ago. I don't really worry about that. I, I, the last I release last I went to was Sword and Shield. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, Kingdom Hearts. And the fun part was, is not only did we get our pre-release uh, poster and anything else that we got, but like the lady there just like fucking opened the back room and grabbed any of the leftover fucking uh, swag that they had and just kind of threw it at us. So I got a, a fucking Christmas themed Overwatch ornament and uh, a Deadpool uh, thermal mug. Nice. Jesus. Mine was Dynasty Warriors 9. <laughs> Go hide in the corner now. Nobody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, don't you have a Koei Tecmo to burn down Orlando? Come on now, get to work. Every fucking moment of the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Verge released an article... Uh, um, the sixth that was yesterday the 16th oh yeah here we go again with fucking up the date today is <laughs> october 17th 2020 so um they released an article on the 16th this is the updated one where they kind of playstation kind of backtracked and said it wasn't going to be listening to all the time but during certain situations so oh, uh, some words all the fucking time yeah, Sony has clarified uh, more details surrounding a controversial new PlayStation voice chat recording feature uh, first mentioned in the recent 8.0 update earlier this week after some users were led to believe that the company would be actively recording and monitoring conversations among private groups. In a new blog post Friday, uh, published Friday, Catherine Jensen, Sony's vice president of global communications experience, admits the company should have been more should have more clearly explained why this function would be rolled out. Unquote, quote unquote. 
Jensen now confirms Sony will not actively listen to in on voice chats whatsoever. When the feature launches with the PS5 next month, its sole purpose is to help in reporting of inappropriate behavior, including actions that violate our community code and conduct. Please note that this feature will not actively monitor or listen to your conversations ever, and it's strictly reserved for reporting online abuse and harassment. So it's going to be recording, but no one's going to be paying attention to it until something is reported. Yeah. Well, it's to, it's to have more proof that someone's actually doing it, so you can't just falsely report somebody. Yes, but if you're... Okay. If you're going to claim that, and no one is listening in, then what's the point of reporting it if they're not listening? Well, okay, here it is. Instead of the company, instead the company says that the feature will record the past five minutes of any private voice chat on a rolling basis. Uh, that way, if a user encounters harassment or anything that they feel violates Sony's rules around player behavior, they can submit up to 40 second clip of Sony's moderation First Sony moderation team to review. It will include 20 seconds of the potentially offending behavior as selected by the user with 10 seconds before and 10 seconds after the selected segment for added context. So that's why. So they can record you, and then they're only going to listen to what was reported. Okay, so they're still... So the point is, is they're still doing the recording. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're doing anything with it initially. They're not going to do anything with it until it's reported by somebody, then, correct? That's what they're claiming, yeah. This still feels like a weird-ass workaround, and how long are they going to keep that? It also feels like this is easily exploitable. You could just simply time in five minutes, and then when those five minutes go by, you know... Yeah, but it, it, records five, it records five minutes, but you can only submit 40 seconds. Okay, so... Go five minutes, 40 seconds, six minutes, and then you're free to go nuts. Well, no, it's a rolling five minute period, it says. So it's only recording five minutes of conversation at a time. I don't know. So these reports can be submitted directly through the PS5 console and will be sent to our consumer experience team for moderation, who will listen to the recordings and take action if needed. Some submitted reports won't be valid, and our team will take uh, take this as an appropriate opportunity to provide guidance and education so basically someone found something you said offensive they reported it stop doing it so like they're it's literally a fucking um big brother literally so it doesn't matter like i don't know i think this is a fucking whole giant mess Sony wants all users to feel safe when playing with their online or with others online not just those who chose to enable it oh so you can opt out of hold on she goes on to say that there will not be an option to opt out of voice chat recording, so there is no option. You know what? You're right. I do want to feel safe when I'm playing my murdering demon slaughter game. I don't want. I don't want a five year old kid telling me he's gonna fuck my mom. All right. <laughs> you know what? That's perfectly fine because I'm pretty sure I fucked their mom. <laughs> That's oh, yeah! I, like uh, this whole thing's a giant shit show. I think, without a goddamn doubt. So yeah, that's the Sony update. You got anything you want to add, Drew? In regards to this kind of shit, I don't even know where to begin with that. It's it seems like it's going to be as hands off as humanly possible until it's until somebody reports it, which on its face seems fine. 
But two things. How long are they going to keep that recorded information? Is it a 24-hour period, 48 hours, a week? What if somebody doesn't report it for a week at, at that point because they didn't go through the, they haven't gone through and combed through it? I, there's a bunch of different questions that I have that it doesn't seem like they probably have any any flat answers for just yet, considering this is a relatively new experience. So I don't know. Well, it sounds like if you, it sounds like if you don't report it within the five minutes, it doesn't. It's it's not going to be there. Like you have a five minute window to report it. Whatever. Then I, then I don't know. I, I it seems pretty mundane. I, I think people I think people who get who are going to get bent out of shape about it. I don't know. I maybe maybe if you're that worried about it, then don't go online. I don't know. It just doesn't seem it doesn't seem as horrific as it on paper as it could be. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be really worth it because how many people? I mean, I guess you're going to have a few people that do that, but. Um... I don't know. I don't think a lot of people are going to be reporting it, reporting because a lot of people play right now and I don't see a lot of people reporting fucking messages that get sent. Cause how many times are you sent are people sending messages like go kill yourself or shit like that? More often than not, you're not wrong. Yeah. So did you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that too. I mean, I guess there's no real stats for it that we can look into and be like, Hey, um this is helping or this is not helping or who knows i i get the intention behind it i just think it's incredibly stupid and because this is basic this is i know i understand it's playstation it's sony's platform it just seems like a huge power grab made by them but they're just trying to be quote unquote as uh as hands free as they possibly can well i i get that they want to create a um safe environment for their players i mean look at nintendo nintendo's voice chat i mean it's kind of crap right now to be honest but um it may be shit but you could still at least amongst friends you could still talk just about any way you'd like yeah but how many of you but how many people are already switching to Discord and using Discord as their preferred method of chat? Are you saying that Nintendo's chat system is worse than Discord's? Oh, Nintendo fucking sucks. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like that was the one thing that was the one thing they did wrong. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, we put out a we put out a voice. No, I never used it. I I I just I used, used Facebook Messenger to you know to do any of my chats yeah i used it one time and it was with my kid and it was horrible (laughs) so i don't think i'd ever really use it fair enough yeah Um, if it ain't working working, it ain't working considering all the netcode headaches that uh have been going on with smash brothers one of the reasons why they they get left out of evo so often so yeah, that, that makes sense. I don't. I don't think my. I don't think my offspring uses uh, their voice chat feature very often. And maybe he does. I don't know. He usually you talks sure to his friends on, on. I mean, after on, all, maybe people. Maybe people are really, really that into melee. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
<laughs> no, I really um it's only certain games that you can choose from on the Nintendo, I think. Well, you can use it with the Nintendo online stuff too. So I guess if you're playing um Mario 35 or Tetris 99, I guess it's you could use it with that shit too. I don't know. I'm sure there I'm sure there's there there are a, a myriad of different functions. I'm not I'm not worried about it. I think I'm more I think I'm more irritated overall because I don't get for me that kind of stuff doesn't have any intrinsic value. The only reason I'm using Nintendo online at all is just to get the uh the SNES and NES uh games attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo their whole I mean the online system I think they need to do a better job with that with Nintendo online. I mean, they're making so much money with Nintendo online. So I think they, they need to do some updates to that and then definitely probably invest into a better voice chat. But I don't think Nintendo really wants to push because Nintendo is more focused towards children and children games. So yeah, because children don't talk. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, but with all of the with all the predators and shit online, I think Nintendo's doing is more focused of not getting people put in those types of situations. Fair Which enough. Is, whatever yeah. you want to do. But overall, I, I, there definitely needs to be an improve a quality of life improvement on the on the program uh, as a whole. I think they I think I have to agree with a lot of people who say like okay, you need to work on putting out N64 games now now that you've gotten SNES and, and NES out. They need to speed up on a lot of things. Absolutely. That I I partially agree. I I believe that they should have set up an N64 um online service, but it's that they need to start pushing out more of the previous libraries as well because just like the just like the previous generation they're really just dripping out their their libraries and it's completely absurd and unnecessary well i think this is to keep people paying for this for the stuff because if you released all of them all at once i mean obviously the um, library stays online what was that hello what i'm here oh this yeah. thing's like it like glitched at me that was fucking weird anyway <laughs> i'm leaving that in <laughs> um i mean their whole library is online so if i guess you continue to pay for it i pay yearly i pay yearly for mine i don't do like a monthly subscription for the nintendo online which i think the only you can only do yearly if i'm not mistaken no you can do it monthly you can do it monthly. Okay, so it's still though, like I I can see why they're releasing it slowly, but it's still too slow because you could literally play that whole game library in a weekend, and then then what? Then you're not playing it anymore, and you're not really using the online because a couple of games here and there that actually need the online feature to play. I think at that point you're right. There definitely needs to be a pick a a, a, a speed up of the disgorging of the of the library again. They they've had years to get uh, to get relicensed on a lot of their older titles. I think this should I think they should definitely have all that stuff on hand. It'd be nice if they you know stop focusing on fucking over fans projects like they've been doing because this is an absolute <laughs> fucking headache watching them go after people who who care about their platform and taking a big shit all over their face. 
Yeah. Like, this is, it's been the on-running theme of Nintendo. A fucking was guy it? was doing a mod. He wasn't even doing a full game. He was doing a mod for one of the games that they have, and he got taken down for it. He wasn't even trying to get money or anything for it. What the fuck? Yeah, they're really rabid about their IP. Like they just they just sued a um, TikTok creator, like slash sex worker. Yeah, I don't I don't get why that that why that would even fucking matter. To because of her name sure her name was it was like pokey it was pokey princess and they own the uh, they own the name to pokey because of pokemon so nintendo owns that ip so they went after her because of the name because i think it was her fault because if she doesn't if she just leaves it as a screen name and never tries to trademark the name then Nintendo doesn't find out and Nintendo doesn't give a shit. But she was trying to make, she was trying to like trademark her name and make money with it. And then Nintendo stepped in and was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that at least makes sense. But for like stuff like modding or AM2R or fucking Pokemon Uranium, where these individuals weren't even going to try and make any actual money off of what they were trying to do, it was a fan project. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. When Sega is better at reaching out to the fans and getting them to do cool things with their IPs, original things, and they give them their blessing, and then you have fucking Nintendo bitching and moaning when someone has a goddamn icon in that place because they're trying to milk every bit of money out of everything, it really does make you wonder where the fuck, it, what the fuck the the end goal for that company ends up. Well, Nintendo is just like they're acting just like Games Workshop does with the miniatures. Games Workshop, if you try to make money with like 3D printed stuff or anything that is closely related to their IP, they'll shut you down. Okay, if you're making money, that's different. If it's a fan project that isn't get garnering any actual funding, then that's a separate issue. That's well, shit, they, they tried to. I, I like what, what what happened? It's like what if it's like somebody really likes a celebrity and draws a picture of them, and that person sends fucking hired goons to kick them in the balls and rip up the rip up the picture. That's stupid. How do you how do you fucking reach out to your fans instead of you know grabbing their hands and shaking you slap them? That's asinine. Yeah, but at the same time, there's people like with the I don't know if you knew about it with uh, Bruce Campbell and the comic. There was a comic that used his likeness of Ash, and they never reached out to Bruce Campbell. So Bruce Campbell will never sign anything by this company, just out of principle. And that's another situation where a person made something. Was try, I assume they were trying to monetize it. They did. I mean, they were selling it. That's the, but, that's the but Bruce Campbell never went after him after that company because it's not it's his likeness, obviously, but he doesn't own the rights to Evil Dead. That's not you know, it's not him. Like he's not suing them to shut them down. He just refuses to sign anything by them because they never reached out to him. And I and I get that. And and it's it's his prerogative, but for where there's no money involved, the person's doing it as a passion project, as kind of a a, 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 sh a shore up to the platforms and intellectual properties that they loved growing uh, growing up as a kid, and Nintendo comes down on them with litigation. It's like they're not going for money. Doesn't matter. It's our IP. We can do what we want with it. You're absolutely it's, right. And yeah. after a certain point, you keep shitting on them. They're not going to tell you about it. That's what ends up happening, too, is 
all these passion projects, they, Nintendo doesn't sue them until they find out about them. Someone blubbers about it on fucking Twitter or talks about it on fucking Facebook. All of a sudden, Nintendo of America hears about it, and then the fucking legal ninjas show up out of nowhere. It's yep. fucking happening. Yeah, well, same thing with Games Workshop and Puppet Wars. Like, Puppet Wars, I mean, obviously they were selling a product, but they were using names that to, like, market stuff to. They're like, this this uh, icon go would fit a Space Marine, blah, 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 or whatever. And they were using actual names that were branded by Games Workshop at the time to like, you know, to be like, because they were making specific parts to upgrade that Games Workshop didn't make. So they, they were filling a niche, but then they were marketing them to fit that. So instead of people buying more kits, they were buying these upgrade kits that looked different, but still fit. And that's why they got mad. And then games workshop went after puppet wars so i i mean i think there, there needs to be like a like a calm not really calm but like you can't just jump down everybody's throat i get it it's your ip and you want to protect your ip but i mean if if the person is doing something to better you why not reach out to them so i think it's, i think you and i are in agreement it needs to be on a case-by-case basis if there's monetization involved or somebody trying to do something stupid with a trademark or a copyright, then there needs to be some sort of litigation involved. But when it comes to like a, a fan project, I, I, I don't know. For me, I think, it, I think the reach out point needs to be on the uh, – it needs to be 50-50. I think when a person creates something for a, fan, for a fandom or for an intellectual property, they need to reach out to the person who owns – that property and be like hey i really love legend of zelda and i wanted to make a mod for breath of the wild that um adds makes the octoroks look more like the octoroks from ocarina of time something like that is it okay if i do this and as far as i'm concerned i really it, it, I, I, my thought is is that there should never be an issue with that when you have games like Skyrim that have fucking pages of mods and the and the company that it own that owns the property is just like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. It, we love it. Do that kind of shit. And then you have Nintendo, who's like a fucking pissy little child who who's too fucking uh, possessive of their toys. It, it makes you not want to one. It makes it, it, it for me. If I was a if I was a business and I was watching them do that to fandoms. I would never work with Nintendo because if Nintendo changes their mind on a whim, which they've done before, that's why we have the PlayStation, by the way, you know, they could fuck me over. Why would I ever want to work with a company that's going to be that fucking mercurial? I wouldn't have the energy to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest the time in that. Even if, even with Nintendo's reputation or their brand name, it's not worth my time to put my, my IP or any of my products on their, on their hardware. I wouldn't waste my time with it. Yeah, but I, I mean, if I was in Nintendo's position and they were doing something better than I was doing it, I'd be offering them a job. You're absolutely right. When you have stuff like AM2R, where they where they went out of their way to make a glorious Metroid uh, Metroid Two remake, and they put their heart and soul into it, just just on that, I would be like, hey, we really love what you're doing. We want you to come in. 
and take a look at what we're doing. And we want to see, we want you to give us ideas on how to take what you have created and improve upon our stuff. We will give you a finder's fee or whatever, a retainer fee for your creative, your creative endeavors. And as far as we're concerned, AM2, as long as you don't monetize AM2R, you can put it wherever you want on the internet. That's called a mutual benefic- mutually beneficial situation, but it doesn't sound like Nintendo ever wants to do that. They went after someone for a free mod. Fuck, fuck me, dude. Why would I? Why would anybody ever work with them ever? You're clearly taking the most vitriolic position in them and making sure that nobody gets a fucking chance to really want to do anything with what you have. That you're not allowing for create, creative, creative endeavor like fucking Sega does. Like, well, like, like, like someone said before, if we didn't have if Sega didn't reach out to their fans the way they do, we wouldn't have Christian Whitehead now. You know, honestly, I think what Nintendo's trying to do is don't use our IP, create your own. Like Bloodstained. It's a completely a Castlevania like ripoff. I mean, I'm not gonna say ripoff, because I think it's better than Castlevania and a more updated version of Castlevania. But it's literally what Nintendo should have done with Castlevania. Nintendo doesn't own Castlevania, it's a Konami IP. Well, still, even still, Bloodstained is not Konami, so, but Bloodstained is, like, plays very similar to Castlevania. Bloodstained isn't Konami, but it was created by Koji Igarashi, the person who created Castlevania. But yeah, yeah, that that one was, uh, that one was fucking, uh, that one had nothing to do with Nintendo proper, and in, in all honesty, it's uh, the the person who actually created the IP was the one who left Konami and made the bloodstained IP because he was sick and tired of dealing with Konami's bullshit. Yeah, but still, oh, Nintendo's terrible, terrible fucking practices. Yeah, and like the. There, I've never seen a company go out of their way to dig their heels in whenever tell, someone tells them to change so goddamn hard. I get it. You're an, you're a legacy company in Japan who's lived who who is who's been open for business longer than any of us have been alive. I get that that is a that is a badge of honor for you and that you believe you know what's right for your business and to an extent you do because you've survived this long. But for every time that you've done something miraculous or exciting. You've done the Wii U, or you've done, um, let's be honest, the N64 wasn't their best fucking work either. They had a few, (laughs) I'm going to say it, I'm going to fucking say it. I love, I love the few games on there that are good, but the system overall, if you compare their library to the PlayStation 1, it's fucking night and day. I know, and I know a lot of people are like, don't compare Nintendo to other IPs. Why? They're making video games. They're not making fucking Cuisinarts. As far as I'm concerned. I have every right to go, hey, for the generation that N64 was created in, for what they created, it was revolutionary as far as 3D technology or 3D uh, animation was concerned for video games. But there were other people who did it better and did it in a way that was more functional. That's what, the, and, and as far as I'm concerned, I can lay it all at Nintendo's feet because if, if Nintendo didn't fuck up, Sony wouldn't be a thing. Sony video games wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I gotta say though, the what took off for Nintendo was the GameCube. 
Oh, hands down. One other, even if they, but it's another situation where they really focused on their first, their first party titles. They had very few third party titles and second party titles because they didn't do anything. Um, they didn't do anything revolutionary. Yes, the Prime series was amazing on the GameCube. The, uh, I love Mario Sunshine, one of the best, one of the one of the best two Mario 3D games that I've ever played in my life. Personally, I can't vouch for you know this the Galaxy series because I didn't play them. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't play Galaxy either. No, I honestly, they're the 3D aspect to GameCube was very very well done, and it should have been what the N64 was. But they I, released they released the N64, came out way too early. I, in my opinion, came out way too early and unfinished. And then we got the GameCube. And the GameCube, I think, is what really took off for Nintendo because that came before the whole, um, like, 3DS and all that other stuff. Because, honestly, Nintendo's always been into the handhelds. Like, always. So, um... It's the, it's their strongest foot forward every time, and yep. proven everything yep. that they have done has been in the in the portable realm, other than the Virtual Boy, and I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna shit on Gunpei Yokoi for what he did. He did what he did the best he could, and from what I heard, the Wonder Swan was an interesting little side thing that he did. Love to get my hands on one just to have it just as a kind of a relic, but <laughs> like overall, like. Everything, everything that they do when it comes to portable, they knock it out of the fucking park. When it That's comes why the to, Switch is so successful. Yeah, it's a portable gaming system where the Wii U wasn't. If they had right. gone full portable like they should have with the Wii U, we wouldn't be having this conversation. If that pad was the game system, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Because that, that, that would have been a, a good bridge point. People could have gotten in and had a portable gaming system with great hardware. Instead, they made a weird-ass, slightly functional gamepad, put out a bunch of awesome games that never saw the light of day until they were re-released on the Switch. As far as I'm concerned, that's a, that's a whiff. Yep. I agree. So what else we got on the docket, friend? Until Orlando finds his way out, or back in, because I've tried several ways to get reach out to him, and he hasn't really responded, so let's keep yeah. rolling along. Yeah, it shows him offline now. Um, I don't think, I mean, the other, the other topic is kind of with it. <laughs> I don't think we really got anything. I mean, too much. I mean, we got perp. We could talk about perp. That interview. It's fantastic. It was an amazing interview. I, I loved being a part of it, even though I was kind of off to the side. I feel like, I feel like the back and forth and the energy of that, in that interview was great. And if we've got more, if we can get more interviews lined up like that, I think we'll have a great interview segment that we can tag into this podcast and really tie the whole experience together. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was my bad. I'll apologize to you because I know you had some questions that you wanted to ask him. And even after we got done recording, you still had stuff that I was like, damn, I wish we would have had that on the recording. <laughs> so a time constraint and you and you had a more structured set situation you were working with. As far as I was concerned, I was just glad to be a part of it and to be able to be the bridge point for that getting that to happen. Being, oh, for being sure. the guy who being the talent seeker for this is definitely a, a rewarding aspect. Even if I didn't get, a, even if I only got a few pot shots in, of course, because yeah, Mr. Perp is kind of a, a storyteller, so trying to interrupt him is a <laughs> difficult prospect. 
no that was good he definitely kept the conversation going you could tell like when it stopped or he didn't want to answer the really answer the question or didn't have anything to like really say about it he was real short um about it which i mean i guess i could have prepared the question a little bit better or rephrased it a little bit differently but i'm not a i'm not an interview type person but i definitely 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 look up to howard stern myself and his interviews if you do not like the man at all his interviews are like top notch 100% the best and um I definitely did my research into perp. I mean, there's not much I really had to look into, but there's definitely stuff that I found that I didn't know about. Um, and it was cool to just hear him talk about stuff. And he even, he even opened up about stuff like I didn't even ask him about and I thought that was really cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the banter. I enjoyed the energy. Let's keep Let's keep those kind of interviews going. Yeah, I think, for sure. I, think I, I, I don't know if Orlando's coming back here, so we're just going to have to keep trundling along because <laughs> it happens, dude. If if there's a logistic yeah. issue or his phone or his phone power down at him, it's fine. Now you had posted, uh, so you posted something on the on our little chat group about uh, the, the health benefits of board games. We had an actual link to an article about that. Why don't you uh, elaborate further on that? Yeah, so I actually took the link. I've actually known about this for a while because uh, when I used to sell games, I ran into a person from the game board up in Sheboygan. Um, her name's Lynn. She's the owner. And she's she was a huge help when I was first starting out. And then when I finally closed up shop, I kind of like I felt like I let her down when I closed up shop because, man, she was really good about everything. Anyway, so um, she focuses her business around like Alzheimer's awareness and stuff like that. And there's been studies that show playing games, any type of games, learning a new game, like exercises your mind and is better for um, like your overall like health kind of thing. Cause it makes you think like the old thing with like chess, like you always want to learn new things or play different things, kind of get your mind working. And the article I posted, if I could find it now actually came from a government page itself. Oh, it's not loading now. That seems, that seems interesting. And I know we, last podcast, we actually talked about board games as a whole and we've always kind of been proponents of board games as a way for interpersonal relationship development for brain building for younger kids various things like that like it it, it the overall benefits of, of that are well documented all over the place and i honestly i, I won't stop stamping for uh for board games as a as a thing yeah so what i was originally trying to do was pull up articles about the effects of gaming in general and into like mental health. Uh, for some reason, I wanted to talk about mental health. I have no idea why. <laughs> so that's what I originally went into. But I did find this article that has it's a it looks like it's a meta analysis from NCBI. I'm not sure what that stands for, but it's a dot gov website. And the abstract of it is that um, I'll just read the abstract to you. Board games are, are played by moving game pieces in particular ways on special boards marked with patterns. To clarify the 
uh, possible roles of the board game. Use the psychosemantic medicine use in psychosemantic medicine. Uh, the present review evaluated studies that investigated the effects of this activity on the health education and treatment. Uh, a literature source conducted between January 2012 and August 2018 identified 83 relevant articles, 56, uh, 67% targeted education uh, or training for health-related problems, uh, 6, 7% estimated basic brain mechanisms, 5, 6% evaluated uh, preventative measures for dementia and contributions to health aging, and 3, assess social communication or public health policies. Uh, the results of several randomized controls trials indicated that the playing of traditional board games, chess, Go, and Shogi, helped to, helped to improve cognitive impairment and depression, uh, and that the playing of newly developed board games in beneficial is beneficial for behavioral modifications, such as the promotion of healthy eating, smoking, uh, cessation, cessation, yeah, whatever, cessation. You said, you and said it, You said it right the first time. Yeah, cessation and safe sex. Although the number of studies that have evaluated board game use is, uh, in terms of mental health, remains limited, many studies have provided interesting findings regarding brain function, cognitive effects, and, and the modification of health-related lifestyle factors. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess they're still studying mental health and stuff like that. I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's, it's literally like a meta-analysis of, of everything. Um, I'll just read, I guess I'll read the conclusion. Oh, or I could read some of the topics. I think I get the gist of what you're aiming for here. Yeah. I mean, it goes, his different, his different topics. It actually has an, an introduction where it explains everything. It does the mind and body changes due to board game use. And it talks about, um, clinical cases with middle-aged people, panic attacks, trauma, people, stuff like that. And then it goes into, uh, clinical applications for the board game, like how they're using it, and then their conclusion, obviously. So it's definitely beneficial to play board games in some sort of capacity. Good times. Good times. Yeah, I like this. Um, there's, I mean, obviously there's a lot more stuff to it. Clinical, uh, the conclusion, although the number of studies investigating board games use remains limited, interesting findings have been have recently been obtained in the terms of brain function, cognitive effects, and related health-related lifestyle modifications. Board games may also be uh, applicable as educational tools for health professionals, although a systematic review neither confirmed nor refuted the utility of a game playing as a teaching strategy for health professionals. These findings were published in 2013, and the additional high-quality study Studies have seen have been reported since then. Thus, um, it is time to reevaluate the usefulness of games and game gamification following technological advances made in modern society. Clinical medicine is closely linked to the health, uh, public health approach, and medical practices should be undertaken within the limited human time uh, and financial resources available. In this sense, appropriate health education programs with the board game component would be useful to for both 
Preventative and Therapeutic Interventions for Cognitive Behavioral Functioning, ADHD and Dementia, Psychological Conditions, Depression, Anxiety, and anxiety Disorders, and Lifestyle Diseases, Metabolic Syndromes, and Smoking-Related Diseases. So, yeah, the, I mean, the ADHD thing, that's kind of been a known thing because people with ADHD, like I have ADHD, and it's like a like constant search for that dopamine, the next dopamine drip. And that's why video yeah, games are. Video games tend to be a quick hit when it comes to that kind of stuff. I feel like yeah. tabletop role playing, anything that involves you inter- interacting with the with the item more in depth, tends to be a lot more beneficial to mental health and that kind of stuff. Because yeah, you can you can get a lot of good things out of video gaming, especially with stuff with like RPGs and puzzle games and things. But the overall junk food aspect of video games as a whole pales in comparison to like actual book reading and tabletop role playing and anything yeah. involving you interacting with other people and using your brain to Son build. Of a bitch! Whoa! <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Fucking hell, son! <laughs> that was an that was an explosive entrance. I love it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What the hell were you guys talking about? <laughs> we were we were just about done with this, but yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. If you're gonna finish this up, fine. Fuck it. I don't care. It was about um. It was about the um. How games, board games, and stuff was used for, um, like mental health. Uh, cognitive health like dementia and ADHD and how it's good to play games and learn new games yeah we got all medical (laughs) fair enough (laughs) basically I mean I read like the the intro and the conclusion and basically with the studies they've done since when did it say it started 2012 I think it said that there's enough research to say it does help with dementia and cognitive disciplines. It helps with depression. It helps with ADHD and metabolic syndromes and smoking related diseases. So, and anxiety disorders. So it does, it like, it helps in like all aspects of mental and like, I guess, physical health, mostly mental health though, obviously. Cause you need your brain, you need your brain holes. <laughs> So, what the hell did I lose you guys again? What the? <laughs> I'm still here. God damn it! We were waiting for you to finish so we can keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was like, man, everybody just stopped talking. What the shit? <laughs> we were being polite. God damn it! Yeah, yeah. So, no, this is a uh, this is a really cool article, and the fact that it's on a .gov site is very promising because uh, that means that people are actually looking into shit. And uh, it's definitely helpful. So anybody, if you're in, if you're in the Sheboygan area of Wisconsin, go check out the game board. This isn't like an ad for them. Definitely, she's a really cool person. That game shop's pretty cool because um, they know their shit. So if you ever got board game questions, go ahead and ask them. And then, um, yeah, if learning a new game is fantastic for all aspects of your mental health needs it are good for your brain functions yeah what this is uh, that's kind of i mean that's the whole reason i looked into it because i was just like man we talked about the social aspect i wonder if there's any studies 
showing gaming and mental health. And that's, that's really what I was looking for. And then I ended up finding this. So. All right. So was something that was done like 10, 15 years ago, or, you know, gaming wouldn't have a stigma as bad as it does now. Yeah, well, this is done between 2012 and 2018. But you have to remember, technology has been different. And D&D has a bad stigma for um, fucking Satanists raising the demons. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Since 1979. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, video games are gonna, always going to catch shit. And the fact that people are complaining about the whole thing. Like the same thing with comic books back in the day was you're, you're creating violence. You're, you're doing violence. You're promoting violence. No. Ah, yes, we are definitely promoting violence. Hey, movie industry. How are you guys to, Oh yeah, no, no, let's not talk about the movies and the news reports on the murders every day. Let's talk about the video games because they're the ones to blame for this <laughs> fucking Christ. I, I, I remember for a reason. Yeah, but I remember the fucking when Columbine happened, instead of talking about the the fucking tragedy of all these kids dying underneath their desks at the school, they're talking about fucking video games. And the same thing when Sandy Hook happened. It's the, it's the video games fault. Video games, video games. I'm like, what about the news? Who's reporting on this? Because every time you turn on the news, that's all you ever hear about is somebody dying. Well, not right now, at least because of the whole political aspect. But 90% of the time you're hearing about somebody die on, on the news. Look at this point. I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. And now I'm going to pass it over to Orlando since he's finally come back and we'll let him talk about the uh, Medusa thing that we, you, you would put in front of us. Fucking wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, apparent, wait, where, where's the statue being held up? Uh, Manhattan, it looks like. Okay. Wait, so. wait, is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's tribute to the Me Too movement near the Manhattan. Court. That's right, folks. Because apparently, this is supposed to be an empowering statue of Medusa killing Perseus. Yeah, they're switching. Any fucking idea what the hell they're trying to put up? Because apparently, from what I've been hearing, this statue is supposed to represent, um. Medusa, or I should say, rape victims getting their due justice. Um, yeah, let me let me read hello, you. Folks, <laughs> uh, Perseus wasn't the fucking rapist. That was Perseus. If you know the god, let me. No, it was not Perseus. It was Poseidon. If you know the goddamn myth. Yes, yeah, so here I'll read. I'll read the article because this is from the New York Post. Newly unveiled Medusa statue in Manhattan sends hashtag me too message. Uh, this time Medusa is the one sta- uh, slaying the snakes. A statue of the Greek myth- mythological figure clutching a severed head was unveiled Tuesday as a tribute to the hashtag me too movement near Manhattan courthouse where rapist Harvey Weinstein was convicted. Quote, this is more than a dream. It's unimaginable that Argentinian Italian artist uh, Luciano Gabadi who re-envisioned the snake Medusa, snake-haired Medusa, turning her ancient story on its head by making her the victor against the hero Perseus. 
The thousand pound figure, which will be left in place by the artist for six months, seems to relish in her win as she stands proudly with a solemn gaze, sword in one hand and head in the other. She is alive after the battle with Perseus, and that is significant, Gurbati uh, said. According to the myth, she should be the dead, uh, the one dead and beheaded. That's the most important thing you can say about the sculpture. But also, she she has uh, defended her life and set a boundary. According to the Greek mythology, Medusa was raped by the powerful god Poseidon, but instead of Poseidon being punished, Medusa was blamed and turned into the monster's beast with snakes of uh, snakes for hair, as well as the gaze that can turn men into stone. She was exiled and later hunted down by Perseus, who then displayed her head on his shield as a trophy. Spectators clapped and cheered as Gabadi uncovered the new symbol of, uh, of in- indomitable strength. <laughs> this is where I have a problem, actually. Um, some of these quotes in in this one. Can you can you guess what some of these quotes say? Why? Okay. Some of them say she's sexy, said Iris Jones, 46, who paused to admire the figure. She has a man's head in her hand and is saying enough is enough. Love it. Okay. <laughs> can we point out the the whole body shaming thing and how saying that she's sexy because she's a thin sculpted woman, like a nude woman in the middle of like she, she's sexy is the comment. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I don't, I kind of don't even want to get into, (laughs) I don't even want to get into the, the whole hypocrisy of this shit. Sexy because she is she's somewhat toned compared to what you see today in today in society. That's why she's not necessarily, she's not intentionally sexy. They just think she is because she looks better than the average woman. of today. Yeah. I I mean, all of these are kind of like some of these quotes, uh, surviving assault is nothing to be ashamed of. That makes sense. In these cases, uh, if emotions are involved in the appreciation of the work of art, then you have succeeded. Uh, Medusa can help put a vision to people's minds that there is no shame in speaking out, defending yourself, and demanding justice. Yes. So I mean, the person who actually attacked you, not the one who was the who was just as much a victim as you are. Well, in yeah, because Perseus was made to believe. Yeah. In other words, yeah. here's here's my here's my issue. Again, Perseus is not the fucking rapist. Poseidon was. Right. Perseus is only a pawn of Athena and Poseidon, just as much as Medusa was. So with Medusa holding Perseus' head, the symbol is not that sexual assault victims deserve justice. It's that they should get it no matter who they inflict that persecution against. It is basically incentivizing false allegations. No, because, um, I mean, I guess, but I think it's, it's more saying that Medusa should never have been put in the spot she is. And she came out ahead because that's she, boring, she but def- that's the same thing with Perseus. It's like, if the one person it's, that it's Perseus. persecuted was Poseidon. But the problem is, is that Athena can't persecute against her, fa- against her uncle. 
Well, here, here's the way I see this. So Perseus is basically made to believe that she is the evil one, right? Perseus doesn't yeah. maybe understand that Medusa had been raped. So she's, no, she's the, never told of these things. Right. So in this case, you can compare Perseus to um, like a movement, like um, like a, people who are led to believe something completely different and then blaming her. And she's standing up against that. But Perseus technically should never have been put into that spot. So we can agree on both sides of that one. But it still gives off that, um, like, feminist, like, stance kind of thing. It still gives off that stance. But if if you know the lore, Perseus is just as much of a victim as Medusa is in this case. That's yeah. why it's a tragedy on both ends. Right. But the thing is... Feminists just only looking at one particular angle here. They're only looking at one particular side. And they do that well, at the cost of the other. That's what yeah. I'm saying. They're only looking... No, that, that's why it's a symbol of not necessarily of looking for justice, but looking at the... But looking for justice regardless of who you harm. In other words, it's incentivizing the false accusation. Because there, you're not caring about whether that person, no, whether the accused actually did it or not. It's as long as you feel better about it. Anyway, so to tie this kind of together with gaming, there, um, what is she? Let me see. Her name is Ashley Warren. She's, uh, according to her Twitter, She's not blue check marked, so I guess that's good. <laughs> Award-winning storyteller and educator, co-author of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which is the new D&D um, adventure. Um, and she's the RPG she does the RP, she's the director of the RPG Writer Workshop. She does a thing called um, Uncaged Anthology that you can find on the Dungeon uh, Dungeon Masters Guild, which is kind of like people putting out their own adventures and stories that people can use and i guess you can purchase them i don't know i haven't really spent too much time on the dungeon masters guild but um sci-fi did a review of her thing and it's called uh uncaged and they have uh what she does is they take the um villains or like the monsters and change them change their stories to be more positive. So like they, she changes Medusa into being something completely different. Um, and she got her inspiration from this statue to do this. And it's uncaged volume one. I think the first one comes in and I think there's four of them. This only has two on it, this article, but I think there's four of them now. And, uh, sci-fi did an article on them. I guess, uh, here we go. The The massive success of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition combined with the popularity of its shows like Critical Role and Adventure Zone have ushered in the area in which tabletop role-playing games feel more accessible than ever before as D&D releases a set of entry-level guides to um, demystify the early stages of learning the game and the new players partnered with uh, Stranger Things on a licensed starter set. Uh, more and more folks are being drawn to the game or returning to it after a long hiatus. Uh, flush with new voices and perspectives, the, the world of tabletop gaming is seeing a storytelling renaissance. 
that's where Uncaged comes in. Under the direction of project manager Ashley Warren, the Uncaged anthology is a massive undertaking in content created by the Dungeon Masters Guild, a third-party website that has partnered with D&D publisher Wizards of the Coast to be an official source for freelance, user-generated content for the popular gaming system. The anthology, currently in two volumes. Uh, like I said, this must be an older article, but because there's definitely more than two, I think, is uh, is available as PDF downloads and print-on-demand books. It features the original playable adventures that pride themselves on subverting tropes surrounded female uh, monsters from classic folklore and mythology, such as hags, sirens, or harpies. The collection's first volume also highlighted work from a female and non-binary creators. So yeah, that's um, this whole thing is done to change the female monsters in in changing their tropes, which I think is kind of cool. Because I mean, taking any monster and changing it into anything, I mean, just just so happens to be female monsters. But um, I think it gives a different spin to the D and D. Don't particularly mind, but you know somebody's got to be the bad guy here. And if well, they're trying to make everybody the good guy, what's the point of D&D then? No, they're not trying to make everybody the good guy. They're just saying in these uh, specific campaigns, they're changing how the tropes are done, like hags and sirens and harpies. And there's actually, she does one on Baba Yaga, where instead of Baba Yaga being an old lady, it's a younger lady and the way she presents herself instead of like, um, like that witch haggy type person, she's like a different, she, she does like the same type of things. She does, does them differently and she's not viewed as like the full on old ragged witch like Baba Yaga is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Call me skeptical, but yeah, I guess it's it ain't the worst of it, but my think my thought process is like they're trying to be a bit they're just trying to uh make uh certain characters they're trying to change their alignments so that they're no longer being, you know, like targeted or being uh opposed in the story. And it's like again somebody's got to be the bad guy here no i know but it's it's giving you an a, like different way to use these characters you, you don't have to use them in the stereotypical way i guess I don't, I don't know i think i think it's cool and they do definitely get a lot of a lot of backlash they were another one uh ashley warren was actually on the behold her podcast that we talked about what three podcasts ago i want to say yeah, it's been that long. I'm shocked. Yeah, so yeah, Ashley Warren was um she was talking about Uncaged and I wish I would have um like I knew we were talking about this and I never went back to listen and take notes to be more to be able to talk about it more, but she she definitely explains it a thousand times better than I ever could because she's obviously working on it. But it's not as um it's not as stereotypical, like bad feminist as like, I guess I'm making it sound. I don't know. I'm not trying to make it sound that way. It's it's these books are, are adventures that you're supposed to use in 
the realm of D&D, but not necessarily replace D&D stuff with them. I get it. Having options is always a good thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to shit on on an opportunity to flip the script, as it were. I just I think I think it, at this point, it just look just chalk it up into another another benefit, another option, another block you can use to build your RPG Lego set with. Yeah. Again, if you this is something that you want, go out and use it. <laughs> not everybody's going to be happy with everything that is put out. Not every but not every book needs to be used. Not every adventure needs to be used. And the Dungeon Master's Guild is like obviously for freelancers and to add stuff. So you know, like you don't have to play these things, but if it's something you're you want to take a look into um definitely look into it like if it's something that you're interested in there is holy shit there is a ton of books for this uncaged wow they've done a lot well, anyway so i want to pick up i guess i'm going to pick up a couple volumes just to read them oh they redid some second ed stuff too oh no 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 that was actually put out by wizards of the coast Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I need to go back and listen to that thing because I want to. I want to figure out. Like these seem to be like decent. Two hundred and thirty-eight page full color PDF. Are you kidding me? Damn, they really put some work into this. <laughs> and a whole list. Pretty, pretty large passion project there. Yeah, for real. Content warnings for the adventure in this volume. These are also included before the relevant adventures in the sexism, forest fires, domestic violence, suicide, infanticide, dark horror corpses, war, assault, murder, torture, abuse, gaslighting, snakes, loss, kidnapping, patricide, lies, threat, manipulation, narcissistic abuse, grief, and PTSD. All right. <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about White Wolf again. Damn. Jesus. Yeah, now I really do want to pick it up like it's only uh, 14 bucks for 200 pages worth of content Damn. 200 238 pages full color in the pdf Fucking 15 bucks hell. that yeah. ain't nothing to sneeze at no way and then there's a whole list of like people who worked on the book let's see one two three Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, uh, twenty-one, and I still have like half the list left. It looks like there's about forty people that have worked on this book. All right, good to hear. Oh, you can pick up the whole bundle. The whole bundle is forty bucks, and it's four volumes now. Yeah, maybe one of the maybe you'll be able to put it to good use and actually run a D and D game when everything set when everything with COVID settles. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I wanted to get Orlando back up to speed because he wasn't here for our conversation about uh, Nintendo. At least I don't know how um, far into it he got. <laughs> By all means, go right ahead. Explain as much as possible. No, we, we were talking. We were talking about how their predatory like actions and how they just go out and basically sue everybody over their IP and control everything instead of letting people create and be free they want to shut everything down yeah it's not exactly the 
at least it's not the most uh, customer-friendly approach to things. I will agree with you on that. The only reason I don't nearly as rage as much as most people would is only because, to an extent, they don't really have a choice but to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I we were me and Drew were saying if they're if somebody outside of the company is doing something better than the company, why not offer that person a job? And that part I absolutely agree with you on. I believe yeah. they should offer them a job. But I guess they're probably their line of thinking if if they're willing to if those people are willing to uh violate law or copyright law to do something to uh to get their shit across then maybe they're not worth working with but hey it's worked with fucking sega so far yeah that's what drew said <laughs> like yeah. said fucking that we sonic mania would not have been a thing had it not had not been for sega hiring christian whitehead when he decided to tinker with the mobile version of Sonic 2. Yep. <laughs> like, I love Nintendo, but Nintendo does some stupid shit sometimes. And when it comes to copyright, that is one of them. Yeah, but the article we, like, we ended up finding that prompted this was them suing a, um, like, a sex worker that stole, that not really stole, but had the had the name pokey in her name and that's why nintendo i think freaked out and went after her oh no god forbid that the word poke hasn't been around since oh i don't know yeah but i but i think it was in conjunction with something else like yeah i I get it but at the same time it's like you can you can argue that it's just the general word poke also true but at the same time like in her case like i even said before like if she would have never tried to trademark her name nintendo would have never known okay calls huh someone trying to use pokey and us a pun must sue hey did you see the um i just saw something about this there's a a versus card game and it it's got Mega Man coming out that's interesting. No, I have not heard about this. Let me see if I can find it. Drew, have you heard anything? If you're referring to the Mega Man card game, yes, I have heard about it. Yeah. It's it's part of the Versus system, though, isn't it? It is as far as I know. And all of those you can play together, right? Like, they have card game. There it is. Um... It looks like this is already released. Yeah, I believe it did. Because I think they've already gotten uh, a few uh, expansion decks to go with it. That's crazy. What's the versus? Dude, was that the game that we played at your place that one? No, you're, the thinking Marvel of, stuff? Uh, you're thinking of Super Super Fight or Super Buddy Fight, whatever it's called. With the different uh, superheroes? Oh, no, no, you're thinking of uh, Sentinels of the, uh, oh, god damn it, Sentinels of the Multiverse, I think it's called. I have it upstairs, I, I have to, uh, I haven't really interacted with it since, you know, COVID. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's right. a different thing, it's a, it's a different uh, game, it's made, the, the Versus system is made by Upper Deck, 
Um, they have a bunch of different things. Uh, Marvel. Upper Deck is still a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's been there. Been there. They've been doing things for a while. Jesus Christ! I haven't heard that fucking name in decades. Yeah, I almost want to pick this up. <laughs> it looks cool. <laughs> oh wait, that's the Mega Man board game. That's not the card game. What the shit? Well, maybe they're adding Mega Man as a uh, aspect to Versus because Versus is a modular system. You just slot whatever you want into it. Now, I, I'm hearing from online because I, I I was listening to the professor when the whole uh, secret layer thing went down. He was talking about different games that you could play that weren't MTG, and he brought up some, he brought up the villainous uh, board game. Villainous board game. Yeah, it's uh. It, it it has to do with uh, Marvel and Disney villains, and you can uh, I think you get to play as them, and you have different quests based on whatever villain you're playing as. So it's kind of cool. Nice. So they have they've got a Capcom. This is UFS, I think, is what it, Universal Fighting System. They've got Soul Calibur booster packs, Cowboy Bebop, Red Horizon. Capcom Street Fighter, Mega Man, Shadow War, Mortal Kombat. What is this? Is this like the uh, Y Shores where you can kind of play them together? Essentially. Except for it's not as anime related, obviously. Yeah. Well, it seems like more video game related. Seems like very much video game related. Maybe I'll have to take a look at it. Toywiz.com. I think it just might be the shop. Never mind. <laughs> there are Wizards of the Coast internet retailer, though. <laughs> Maybe I'm just finding this out. Hold on. Let me see if I can just find out UFS. Oh, man. It'd be cool just to play something else. UFS card game there it is jasco games this is jasco oh you can buy mega bundles with everything for like 300 of the different stuff yeah soul caliber 6 street fighter 3 <laughs> cowboy bebop this is crazy I love every time we've had a podcast where all three of us are here you've stumbled on something amazing New know, right? kind of interesting to watch. Darkstalkers, yeah, at the very end, right? Last time was Yu-Gi-Oh, and then I ended up sending um, what, what was the final cost? It was almost two hundred bucks for the budget version of that Dark Magician yep. deck. Yeah, roughly one eighty. Yeah, one eighty. So, then again, we were talked about this with Perp on the on the fucking interview, where all these card games come out, and it's like it's chasing the leader, which is just magic. So, pretty much, yeah. Good luck finding groups to play with, unless you like you build decks for everybody. Just like remember the old Dragon Ball Z card game. <laughs> it's not they old. Make it's back up and running. Yep. Is it really the one yeah. with the power level change? Or are you talking about the Super Card game? Because the Super Card game I know is still going. I don't think that's any different, is it? It's the same concept, is it not? No, 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 no. You don't have to. Um, you had power levels. Remember on the cards, you'd start yeah. off with like Goku and you'd hit power levels to go. And then you would have to go to Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan 2 with 
um, the super card game, you don't do that. The super card game plays like an actual card game. Interesting. Yeah, I saw um, at my local game store, they had a bunch of uh, super Dragon Ball Super stuff. And just like, wait, when the fuck did uh, when the fuck did Bardock go to Super Saiyan three? What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've progressed the story a lot, I guess, for that card game. I don't know. No, I think they're making a lot of liberties with it because I'm fairly certain the manga doesn't have Bardock at Super Saiyan three. No, yeah, obviously, but they've done they've taken a lot of the the stuff and try to put it into the game. It even it has its own rotation too, as far as I know. Like, there's certain cards you can only play now. Like, they have like a standard rotation. So, in other words, it's still more restrictive. Very well. I mean, yeah, I get it. I get. I get the point of set rotations. I still like the way that Yu-Gi-Oh keeps um essentially the entire card game open, the their entire library open, barring a forbidden list, obviously. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. Drew earlier showed me a video, apparently a historic moment in Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament play history where a dude played with a 2,000 card deck. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ, I had never heard of such shit. Yeah. Well, that's because they didn't have um, deck size limits. They only had minimums. Yes, they did. Back in the day, it was either minimum 40, maximum 60. Now in tournament play, it's it's maximum 40. With You, you don't get to play with a 60-card deck anymore. But back in the day, your max was 60. Not when it first started, though. When it first started, I thought there was no deck size. There was a deck size. Oh. Your maximum deck size was always 60. It's the starter (laughs) decks that gave you 50 cards. Yeah. But the minimum was always 40. And the max was 60. That's crazy. But now in tournament play, it's you're only allowed to play a 40-card deck. Do they still have sideboard like Magic does? Yes, they do. Yeah, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to reach out to um, Team APS and see if one of them will come on for uh, an interview and we'll just talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> I also recommend Doug Zeef. Who? Zeef. He's a, he's a Yu-Gi-Oh uh, tuber. He also okay. plays professionally. He, he goes to tournaments and shit. He knows his shit. Nice. Send me uh send me his name in the in our little chat we got going and I'll reach out to him. No problem. Sweet. Uh have we covered everything? I we didn't really have like there hasn't really been any big news news stories other than um the Medusa thing, which I mean I tied into the D and D because <laughs> otherwise we would have just been talking about the Medusa thing. Uh Nintendo with their Sue happy practices and then Sega with the fucking voice chat thing. So, yeah, I think we rounded everything off. I think this is uh we, we can, we can cut it right here if you want. Yeah. I just, I'm like, I'm trying to like, at this point I'm just searching for something else to talk about. And I think 
we pretty much hit it because there's i mean we pretty much prepared for everything um that we yeah, had fucked up we're not gonna mention it but yeah <laughs> you just dropped out i think I, at some point i didn't i would hope would realize that you were still in the chat and i ended up kicking you out <laughs> and then and then we're like uh is he coming back like what happened <laughs> so uh god damn i didn't even notice yeah so now, so now that you have all of the equipment necessary, we can start planning on doing in-person podcasting now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I need I, uh, we- I need one more maybe one more mic stand and um two more honestly, two more mic stands. But yeah, I've got all the mics and all the cords and everything so i'm good i'm good to go cool beans then we'll look forward to doing that probably at some point in the near distant future um yeah. but otherwise otherwise it looks like we've uh we've come to the end my friends <laughs> yeah all right thanks for listening again to another angry wargamer podcast uh i'm jason the angry wargamer catch me on twitter at the angry wargamer or not the angry at angry wargamer or obi-wan fat kid uh and we have the facebook page angry wargamer podcast follow us on there we do post some articles on there uh nothing too fancy um kind of stuff that like we've kind of already talked about i'll i post some stuff on there and then uh angry wargamer on instagram for me uh drew uh, I am Drew the Punk Toast on Twitter. I am also Punk Toast on Instagram as well. Uh, I do not have anything on Facebook. If you though, I, if any inquiries happen on the uh, Angry War Gamer Facebook page, obviously any of us can interact with that. Um, as far as anything else, I don't think I have anything open. Uh, Orlando, what you got? Uh, you can find me on Twitter under Harima at Ragnarok Night. Sweet. And uh, stay sexy and go fuck yourselves. <laughs> 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 <laughs>